Let's pray together. Father God, we told in your scriptures that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And yet just like the temple in Jesus' day, it can get cluttered with stuff that has no business being in there. And so in the room of our mind, Lord, we give you, we ask you to flip over the tables that have been allowed to set up resident in our mind that those ways of checklist Christianity living by law instead of by spirit living by religion and rules rather than relationship Lord I pray that you flip the tables and, and cleanse the house Lord in the room of our heart in which we fall into routine and just do the same thing over and over again and losing meaning or would you clean that room out we, we surrender to you this morning asking you to do whatever you need to do in this temple of our bodies including our mind our emotions our will and whatever you need to do in this church house but it's yours yours we thank you that everything you do is right you are always right and you are always good and that never changes thank you Lord it's in Jesus name I pray amen amen it's been a wonderful day already it is Pentecost Sunday I know this is Memorial Day weekend and uh, tomorrow's Memorial Day tomorrow's Memorial Day today's Pentecost Amen. I, I never grew up celebrating Pentecost whatsoever. It was not even on my radar. I mean, I, we, we didn't do it. And then I'm in Ukraine. I'm over in the Ukraine, and all the Ukraine churches gather together for a special evening together celebrating Pentecost. I'm like, what in the world? I cool, let's do that. So <laughs> we get there, and, it's, and it's, it was a wild deal because at the front of the church, they had all these fruits and vegetables and I'm like I've never seen anything like this in my life what are, what are we doing with all these fruits and vegetables and, and it was an offering because Pentecost 50 days after Passover was also known as the feast of first fruits in which they would come and they would bring the first of their harvest of the spring and uh, it was a way to celebrate God's bounty and uh, and to bring in the first of the harvest and then on the day of Pentecost that we're about to read about, it was the harvest of souls, of 3,000 souls were saved on the first day, the day of harvest, and the, and the Lord brought in a great crop. Amen. Amen. I grew up uh, understanding there was something to the word promise. Now, you can tell somebody you're going to do something, and, and, and that should be binding enough. But as a kid, and I don't know if it came from... Uh, siblings my parents I'm the youngest of five so uh, I don't know who taught me this or my, my buddies but man when you promise my goodness you better you better come through you put some thought into it before you say those words and, and you can tell somebody you're going to do something but then when you say I promise well now all of a sudden it's done I mean it's got some weight with it amen God tells us in his scriptures that he has made promises and he had made a promise to Abraham, and you can look this up in Romans and in Galatians, as he made a promise to Abraham that he would bless Abraham, he would bless him to be a, a huge, 
family and that all families through him would be blessed. He made this promise. And then it said that Abraham obtained the promise through faith. And because, and this is, remember, this is before Moses, Abraham before Moses, this is before law. This was before rules and regulations. This was about relationship. Abraham, do you trust me? Yes, Lord. Do you believe that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do? Yes, Lord. And he said, by his faith, it was accounted to him as righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is not right doing. Righteousness is is right standing. You are standing in the right position, Abraham. You are standing in a position to be blessed because you believe me. Amen. Amen. Righteousness is right standing. It will lead to right doing, but you don't work up righteousness. You, it works out because you're in right standing. And so by faith, Abraham obtained the promises. Read it. Galatians, I mean, it goes in extensively into his faith and how he obtained the promises. But then there becomes a new promise that came with a new covenant. And here we see it. Look, look together in the book of Luke. No, John, John. I keep getting the two confused. We're going to look at John chapter 20. What we're seeing, where we're picking up in John chapter 20, Jesus Christ has lived out three and a half years of ministry. He has now been crucified and resurrected, and he's there visiting with his disciples and apostles. There they are. Some of them still hadn't quite grasped it. There's Thomas like, I can't believe it. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And, and, and Jesus just shows up in the room with these guys. And as he says in verse 19, peace be with you. Why, you, why, why does he start off like that? Because they're losing their mind because he just walked through the wall. Shows up in the middle of the room with them. Yeah, tell me peace too, but it's going to have to come with something. I mean, <laughs> uh, just, just popped up in the room with them. But what is happening in this room is that They are now laying their eyes on and putting their trust in the resurrected Jesus. Wednesday nights, we do Bible study on Wednesday night. I teach for a straight hour, and I love it. And and some people actually listen for a straight hour, and uh, and I I just love it. But what we were talking about last Wednesday night is how when when God is doing something like this, in in this situation, they had surrendered their their thoughts and their minds to the Lord, that, that Jesus comes along and is responding to their faith, But they had to believe in the resurrected Savior. It's not just enough to believe in Jesus. And some people say that sounds heretical because the Bible says you you believe on Jesus, you'll be saved. But the word believe in our English language, we have reduced it to mental assent. I I believe in a lot of historical figures. They don't save me. Everybody tracking with me a little bit? You believe that history would tell you, let alone the Bible, but history will tell you there was a man named Jesus. You believe there's a Jesus? Yeah. You believe that he is God the Son? Mm-hmm. That don't make you saved. This belief, the biblical belief, is to put your faith and trust in and cling to Jesus as your Savior. Amen. And there's something that you need to know about him as the Messiah. He is the resurrected Savior. Believing in the resurrection is essential to salvation. Please understand that. It's not enough to believe that he was. It's not enough to believe that he died on the cross. It, you must believe that he raised from the dead. It is an essential part to salvation. If you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you're lost. That's how. Now, where does that come from? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
So here's the disciples there in that upper room, and he has now appeared to them, and they have now laid eyes on the resurrected Jesus. You think they believe now? Thomas is struggling, but the rest of them are with it. They believe. Because Thomas soon would, when he put, Jesus said, put your hand in my in the nail scars and in my side. And Thomas says what? My Lord and my God. Now he finally caught up. So they have now believed in the resurrected Savior and believed on the resurrected Savior, which I mean put your trust in him. And then in verse 22, and he, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a picture of your salvation. When you believed on and put your trust in the resurrected Savior, something happened in you, a transformation, a regeneration. You were born again. You were spiritually born. Tracking with me? John chapter 3, if you want to catch up on it sometime. You were spiritually born. And so, being born of the Spirit, now you have the Holy Spirit as a, a guest in your house. Everybody tracking? He's a guest in your home. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Picture of salvation. Now, I want you to back up a few pages in Luke. Luke chapter 24. Now we've progressed a little bit, getting almost to the point of ascension. We know exactly how many days Jesus ministered to his disciples. And we're going to see that in the next passage of Scripture. I'm going to pull out 40 days. And we're getting close to the ascension in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 46. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Again, he's pulling out not only his crucifixion, but his resurrection. And that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's about to come up again too. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, catch it. Behold, I send the what? That was pretty weak, but we'll go with it. (laughs) Behold, I send the promise. What do you notice about that word promise? It's capitalized. And I was learned at Bel Air Elementary in English class that when you have a capitalized word, it must not be something, it's someone. That's what they learned me. (laughs) And and so, this must be somebody, the promise. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, they are about to be sent sent throughout all the world. I mean, he just told them that. You will be witnesses starting in Jerusalem. But something, you need to hang out in Jerusalem until something happens to you here, and then you will go to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen? Tracking with me. All right, so now if you'll go to the book of Acts, I need to help you with this uh, for those that don't understand this. The same guy that wrote the gospel according to Luke is the guy that wrote Acts. And, And if you just took John and set it aside for a second, Luke goes right into Acts. Same guy wrote him. So the same guy that said, Jesus says you need to tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Then goes into his second letter, chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus. What former account? The gospel according to Luke. By the way, Theophilus is the name that means God lover. So you just write your name in there, God lover. Amen. 
the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, resurrection, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I cannot even begin to imagine what it was like hanging out with Jesus, the resurrected Savior, for 40 days. And he's teaching on the kingdom of God. Does he eat? Can you touch him? We know that it, Scripture tells us that, that these things happen. But yet, he could walk through that wall. <laughs> it's just like, uh, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on for 40 days. We're not told. That's all we're told right there. But for 40 days, the resurrected Savior is teaching about the kingdom of God. And look what, it's, let's just keep reading. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. There it is again. And again, the promise is not something, it's someone. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now we know who the promise is. So the Old Testament promise, the promise to Abraham that he would be blessed and that all the world would be blessed by him, he obtained it by faith, believing that God would do what he said he's going to do. And now here we are, there's a New Testament promise, and it is capital P because it's not something, it's someone. And you know how you receive him? Same way you did in the Old Testament. By faith. Believing that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. But not only that, they put action to belief. And that they said, he told us hang out in Jerusalem until we're endued with power. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to have a prayer meeting. And they had a prayer meeting and they hung, it's verse 12. And they hung out in Jerusalem preparing their hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. Amen. It ain't Christmas time, but my goodness, what a spiritual truth. If your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, maybe there's some things in your heart that is keeping him from taking up full residence instead of just being a guest. And so as Jesus has now breathed on them, they have the Holy Spirit, but he said, you need more. You need more. Hang out until you get it. Now, some of y'all, that just messed you up right there. It, it would have me about five years ago, six, seven years ago. It would have messed. I, I might have got up and left right then. I might have, because I was of the theological belief that when I got saved, I got all of him. And that is true. I believe that still to this day. But what I do know is, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. And it took years of theological wranglings and, and struggling with my own preconceived notions and, and the beliefs that I was brought up in to believe that there's something more. And some of you, maybe you're not there yet, and I am perfectly okay with that, I promise you. You can wrestle with it all you want. If, if, it's, a, if it's a sticking point for you, just hang in there. We ain't forcing you to believe anything. I'm just going to put some truth out there and let you marinate on it for a second. Amen. I'm of, I'm of the stubborn sort. This is how stubborn I am. You try and push me something into something, I will dig my heels in and fight you. 
And so I've had people try and push me into things uh, theologically, and, and that didn't go well. So I'm going to present something to you and let you see if you want to receive that or not. Was Jesus born right the first time? Yeah, he was born of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Spirit. Everybody agree with that? Good thing, because that's biblical. So, he was born right the first time. And yet, 30 years. And we know that he, 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 he's, the Holy Spirit's in him. He's born of the Spirit. When he was in his mama's womb, and John the Baptist was in his mama's womb, one of them, in the presence of the other one, called the other one to have a little praise party. So, <laughs> so he, he has the Holy Spirit in him. And yet at his water baptism, what happens? The Holy Spirit's poured out on him. And immediately he goes into ministry. Yeah, I never, I never thought about that till this week. If Jesus, God the Son, needed the Holy Spirit to come pour out on him so that he can go out and do ministry the way he needs to do ministry. You think you might? You think you might need that too? Absolutely, I know I do. But I didn't for a long time. So let's read on. Uh, verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I, I bet that Jesus wanted to say, come here, let me slap you. <laughs> I, I know I spoke a lot in between where we just read this. Let's read it again, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. To him also presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days, they're hanging out with the resurrected Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God. And yet, they want to ask, after 40 days, uh, earthly kingdom, you going to fix that? Here's the truth. If you're still hung up on earthly things, even after your salvation, it could be. But wait, there's more. It, here it is. 40 days of hanging out with the resurrected Jesus, and they're still wondering, is Israel going to get restored? Are you going to whoop the Romans? Or are we going to get our houses back? Are we going to get our freedom back? And he says, I'm talking about a whole other kingdom. I've been telling you about a whole other kingdom for three and a half years. They argued about it right up to the cross. Here he is resurrected from the dead. Here is a resurrected Savior. They're like, hey, what about this Israel thing? And he's like, boys. Boys, I can just imagine. And I'm sure he's like, how long, Lord? How long? And the Lord's like, 10 days. <laughs> 10 days. Here we are. Chapter, chapter 8. I mean, chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive... No, let me back up verse 7. And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, it ain't none of your business. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and she, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the end of the earth. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. What was their marching orders? You hang out right here and get your heart ready because he's going to pour out on you. You hang out right here and get your heart ready because the Holy Spirit, you're going to be endued with power. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
Pentecost simply means 50 days. It's 50 days after the Feast of Passover. As we already pointed out, it's the day of harvest. First fruit. And so when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Can I just point out real quick, you want to find a way to hinder the Holy Spirit from working in your life? Be divisive and argumentative and a complainer and difficult and negative, you will have quenched and hindered the Holy Spirit. But here was a group of people, they were ready for the outpouring of God and they were in one accord. Amen. You know one of the things I love about this church, you know one of the things I love about Sand Spring is that we love each other. <laughs> that we are in one accord. I mean, I, I just said the other day, I don't know of any conflict that's going on in our church. And you know that's been the case for the last several years. I don't know of any. I mean, if y'all got some issues, then you got a problem. But I ain't got no issues. <laughs> and I had people come along and say, man, I love, I love Sand Springs. They say, man, those, those folks really love on you. And I say, in my response, it's genuine. Yeah. It ain't made up. It ain't make-believe. They're not faking it. It's real. They really love you. They really accept you. However you come, they really love you. And, and, and that's, I, love, I love that. And you know what that does? That frees up the working of the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Yeah. There they are in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I mentioned how in my open prayer that, and wasn't even thinking about this at that time, that this body, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. In the Old Testament tabernacle, as they were wandering through the wilderness, they knew when to move and they knew when to stay by where that fire went. Yeah. Y'all tracking with me? If the fire moved, you move, you get with the fire. You, you go with the fire. As the Lord leads, they would go and they'd move that tabernacle because that that fire was what led them and that fire was where they needed to stay everybody track with me so the old testament tabernacle and then later when solomon built the temple all of a sudden fire came down from heaven consumed the sacrifice on the altar and fire there was continual fire there and so as you were walking up to jerusalem what you could see was a pillar of fire and now here we are and, and that was that was a, a symbol of the presence of god you can go to, to England now and, and wherever the prince, or I don't even understand all that royalty. Wherever they're at, whatever castle they're living in, there's a flag. Well, ain't that sweet. God had a fire. <laughs> wherever he dwelt, there was a fire. And so now, as we have now, the, this is the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? There wouldn't be a fire over a building. There would be a fire over every believer. And it was a picture of you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God now lives within you as the Holy Spirit has been poured out on you. Amen. Amen. So when you got saved and, and you received the Holy Spirit and he, he becomes a host, I mean, a guest in your home. At this occasion, it's almost like you gave him the deed. It's yours. Did you get all of him at salvation? Absolutely. But at this point now, he got all of you. Amen. Amen. It's like, Lord, I, I'm surrendered. I'm surrendered. I, no longer am I, am I saying, no, you can't go in this room and you can't have this part of my life. I'm fully submitted to you and I'm surrendered. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance, and, and that got some people's attention. And, and they're like, what is this craziness going on? And some folks said, oh, they drunk. I've been drunk. I ain't never spoken another language. That's <laughs> gibberish, baby. That's the most response some of y'all have. The whole time I've been preaching to y'all, that's the most response some of y'all have ever, have ever made. Can you imagine? We got all these people because this is one of the big three feasts. All these people coming in Jerusalem and, and, and of all different nationalities and languages. And they're hearing these, these disciples. There's 120 of them. They're hearing them speak in their own language. And they've never seen anything like this before. And some idiots are over there saying, they're drunk. No, they're not drunk. And Peter gets up there and starts preaching. And I mean, he is shelling down the corn. He is shucking this corn. And he is preaching the word. And he says in verse 17 of chapter 2, he says, this is, let me, let me back up, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with 11, raised his voice and said, In the men of Judea, Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk. As you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's too early. <laughs> it's too early. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy amen he keeps on preaching and he is just i mean he is bringing the word he says in verse 28 that the re result of this will there'll be, be there'll be fullness of joy and then in verse 33 he says therefore being exalted speaking of jesus let, let me back up verse 32 this jesus god has raised up of which we are all witnesses Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. In John chapter 7, Jesus is at the uh, feast there in Jerusalem. And, and this feast was a praying for rain so that they could have a harvest. And they would go down with a silver pitcher to the pool of Siloam, way down the hill. was just there a few weeks ago. And they'd take that water and they'd scoop it up. For seven days, they'd walk to the temple mount at the top and they would pour it out and that water would pour it out. On the great day of the feast, it says in John chapter 7, on the great day of the feast, the last day, they would do this seven times. And I'm, I've been up and down this hill. That's a trek. Seven times they'd take that water to the top. They're asking God to pour out physical rain on their land. And then Jesus messes up their festivities and in the middle of it says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and I'll give you water. And he says, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Let me, let me throw out a controversial statement real quick. Jesus is not the living water. He's the source, the fountain. He's the fountain of the living water. It says in John chapter 7, He spoke thus referring to the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because He had not yet been crucified. He had not yet gone, been glorified. And so he, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. He said, you got to come to me to get Him. 
Amen. And he said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Can you say, child of God, that out of you is flowing rivers of living water? Did something happen in your life that changed everything? Is there, has there been an endowment of power? Are your prayers being answered? Are you seeing God work in mighty ways in your life? Oh, I hope so. Chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the what? Promise. 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 The promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and your children. And that's who Peter was talking to there on that day of Pentecost. He says, it's yours. It's yours if you want it. it they're messed up. They just, he just, they, they've seen God work in amazing ways. They, they can't believe their eyes. They can't believe their ears. And they're like, what must we do? And he says, you need to get saved. You need to get, you need to get baptized. And this promise is for you. He said, it's for you. For the promises to you and your children. But I'm glad that verse didn't stop there. And to all who are far off in Athens, Texas in the year 2023, it's for us. Yeah. Amen. And all who are far off, as many as, our Lord, as the Lord our God will call. Amen. Amen. It's for you. So if these disciples who had now believed on the resurrected Jesus got saved, Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, anything Jesus says happens, right? Did they receive the Holy Spirit that day? Uh Uh-huh. Those who had believed. And then he becomes a resident in their home. Now, and and even after 40 days of visiting with the resurrected Savior, they're still concerned about the kingdoms of this world. But now, upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, now they're concerned with one kingdom. And every one of these apostles went throughout all the known parts of the world, and every one of them was martyred. There was one who lived through his martyrdom, John, the writer of the book of Revelation. They threw him in hot boiling oil, and he miraculously lived through it. They exiled him to an island called Patmos, and there he wrote the the book of Revelation. But every one of them, they were so now concerned after the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were now so concerned with the kingdom of heaven that the things of this earth didn't bother them whatsoever. Amen. Something happened in them. And I mean, it wasn't wasn't the sanctification process that is a progression in which we get a little more like this. It happened. And the Peter that was afraid of the little servant girl and was denying Jesus uh, just right after Passover is now standing before thousands preaching God's word powerfully. And they say, what shall we do? He said, you need to get saved and get baptized. And yes, 3,000 people got saved. And 3,000 people got baptized. Amen. Something happened. And if Peter needed it, James needed it, and John needed it, even, and even Jesus himself needed it. Yeah. You think you might? Yeah. Took me a long time to get that. I had a lot of sleepless nights struggling over that. A lot of it was pride. I didn't want to do not one more thing 
was already doing ministry. I was already serving the Lord. But you know what I kind of found out? I was doing most of it at my own strength. And he said, you will be endued with power. I'll just give you some of the latest of that. Y'all know I just got back from Israel. I missed y'all. I sure love y'all. I missed y'all. <laughs> and it's so good to be back with you. But it almost didn't happen. Right before we go to Israel, we fly out on Friday morning early. And right before we go to Israel, we, uh, I got sick. I got sick on Tuesday. And uh, by the time Tuesday evening rolled around, I was real sick. Now I'm starting to get a little concerned. We can fly. I do not want to fly sick. Wednesday morning, I said, and this is a rare thing for me to say, I think I need to go to the doctor. Wednesday morning, we go to the doctor. They shove that thing in my nose, COVID. This changed everything. I'm not going to lie to an airline and tell them I hadn't been around it. Chucks, I got it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to put anybody at risk. I, I can't go. Now we're distraught. We've got other folks that said they're not going to go. If I don't go, all of our pricing is based on the numbers of people we have. Everything just... And there we are sitting in the doctor's office, Christian. What are we going to do? Let alone the fact that I am sick. I don't feel like standing up. I, I want You know, death would be a great up. <laughs> I was bad. Anyway... I don't know about y'all, but uh, when I get sick, oh, it's the end of the world. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> so, uh, we were we were a little a little stressed over that. We go home, praying about it, getting our prayer warriors on it. Y'all pray for us. Take communion together. Let's take communion even now. Thanks, sir. Taking communion together. Because God has already opened up my understanding. There's some greater things. This ain't just symbolism here. It's more than just symbolism. Take me and remember, I got COVID on Wednesday, but I also have a believing doctor. That's because we're all the whole doctor's office. Like we hate to hear this for you, and, and the family nurse practitioner's in there. She's working on. It. The doctor comes in. He's. He said, I'll tell you what. He, he's a believer too. He said, You come back tomorrow after your people pray. Let's just see. And you shall be endued with power from on high. God's people prayed. We took communion together. Overnight, I sweated out. I mean, I just sweated. The bed was just soaking wet. And I woke up feeling just, just fine. Better than fine. I felt great. And I go back to the doctor's office, they give me a test, and, and you got to wait eight minutes, and, and we're in there, and we're just a little concerned because we have to, in an hour, we have to tell our airlines whether or not, our, our, our uh, agency, whether or not this is happening. And, the, and I already said, if, if I've still got COVID, we ain't going. The whole doctor's office. I mean, from the girl to desk to the, uh, the whole doctor's office come through our door celebrating our good God who is a mighty and a healing God. I was negative for COVID. God healed me overnight. The doctor had told me on Wednesday, it's 13 days. It's 13 days to get over COVID. And that God did it in one night. Amen. You think our God ain't powerful? Amen. And so let's just take communion reminding ourselves 
where the source is. Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. Lord, I pray that we would be so endued with power. Our co-workers would know there's something different. Our family would know there's something different. Yeah, you're no longer a guest in this house. It's your house. It's yours, Lord. We've surrendered all to you, submitted everything to you. Lord Jesus, you purchased this body with your body. As we remember your crucifixion, we were reminded that I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. It was a high price. You must have valued me a lot. But you did it. And now I say thank you. I love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I thank you that you gave your life for me. And that by your stripes I was healed. And I'm continuing to be healed. And by your blood I was saved. Saved. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a very controversial thing that I preached on this morning. I don't know, that, that may not even be anything to you. You never even heard of such. But I have wrestled in these circles a long time. Y'all do know what used to be on the sign, right? Baptist. And so because of the shift that God has done in my life, I got a lot of folks don't even talk to me anymore. But I must obey my Lord. And I can only lead in the direction that I'm going. Amen. Amen. You know what happens when you're baptized with fire? Three things. Probably more, way more than three things. I just want to point out three things. When you're baptized with fire, there's something that happens. Purity. Purity. Maybe you have struggled with your fleshliness. Maybe this is exactly what you need to be baptized in fire. Remember, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me, baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire purifies. And if the Holy Spirit is living within me, he's the Holy Spirit. And so if there's un unholy things in my life, then I need a purging. That water, that is, the rivers of water that come flowing out of me is a purging. If it's fire, then there's a purifying. And so that's one of the things that happens when you're baptized with fire. Number two, power. He already said, fire is one of the most powerful things that there is. You will be endued with power from on high. And then finally, passion. Passion. I love passionate people. You can be goofy as a football bat and be passionate. I love you. <laughs> you can even be thrown off theologically, but be passionate and I'm all about you. My greatest fear, and this is, I've been saying this for years, my greatest fear as a pastor was to pastor passionless people. But when, when what I preached on today happened to me, it changed this country boy. And not only did it change me, it changed this church. And now my greatest fear, I don't have to fear anymore. Because God has brought the passion 
not only to me, but to so many others. And what a joy it is 